Kimberly C. Paul. As I travel throughout each state, I realize that death is just a moment. It is how we live until that moment that matters. Finding connection with friends, family, and complete strangers. Journey with me. This is the Live Well, Die Well Tour. Well, I'm delighted to come to you today. I have some very special friends that I got to spend some time with this past, gosh, little summer, late summer. Um, But you guys are amazing, Fel and Blair, and you guys are in charge of a meaningful training. And what is fascinating is that you guys and I have something in common and we're really big storytellers. So before we get started, I just want people to understand, tell me a little bit about the meaningful training and, and how did the meaningful tra- training evolve? Meaningful training came about 10 years ago when Phil and I were really actively wondering what's next for us, you know, personally, professionally. Um, so what we did is we did what we coach others to do. We made a list. We really literally sat down and made a list of our skills, our dreams, talents, and and as well as our thoughts about service and community. And we tried to distill all that seeking, you know, where did that lead? And voila, meaningful trainings, our, our, our baby, our company was born. That's pretty cool. Now, people might not know, but you guys are have a really, you know, intimate relationship. You guys are just not partners in the business field. No, no. We you know, it's funny when we when we lead a training, we actually maintain this whole professional distance and so oftentimes we'll work with people over the course of months and finally someone will get brave enough to say, "So you guys, you guys really work well together. We're taking bets. Are, are you guys related or are you married and so we'll be up front with you yes we, we, we are married we've been together in, in partnership and marriage for 32 years now so we uh i guess we're pretty we're pretty we know how to work well together i guess i guess the only reason it works is because blair kept her maiden name <laughs> there you go ah i gotcha yeah well you know touche i mean i think everybody is is it's their call and uh but it is i thought you were married but i was like man with the with the names not the last names not being the same you know i i i hate to assume anything these days for sure so tell me tell me what type of training and events you guys are focusing on right now really the space we try and serve is known as the soft skills training so when you think of skill set that an employee would bring to the workplace or to an organizational space or a community space, a hard skill would be something like an architect or a stonemason or a carpenter, you know, something very tangible, right? The soft skills are the dimensions that really hover around socialization and engagement. So when employees show up at work, they have a hard skill that's a lot of times was the sole criteria to get hired. But now once they're in, the question for management and leadership becomes, you know, how to play nice in the sandbox and get done. And that's, that's sort of the role that we play, sort of helping individuals and organizations explore and personalize and increase their capacity those interpersonal skills. And then in terms of those hard skills, there are actually a couple of those that 
that, that we focus on and they're, they're very, they're, they're coaching and communication because again, as much as people think those are based on interpersonal skills, there are some actual, some strategies and techniques that are, you know, learnable, practicable, improvable over time. And then because of all that, we work in a, just a variety of different environments, um, everything from corporate, nonprofit, government, basically anywhere um, people need to accomplish any specific mission or task. Um, and then I love that you mentioned events because that's, we don't get to do that near as much as some of the um, communication workshops, but when we do, it's like, so fun because we do things, we plan, coordinate, and facilitate things like retreats and outdoor experiences and, and really celebrations, oftentimes at, at points of transition. Yeah, and that's that's like, that's the icing on the cake. Sure, sure. Well, you know what I what I feel with being in, in corporate America for, you know, not the last three years, but 17 years prior Man, people do not know how to communicate. Um, I felt like, you know, it, it's like back in high school. Um, and I, I think what you guys are providing is so necessary, um, especially for leadership, um, because it, it is about being consistent. But, you know, people don't care what you have to say unless they know you care. And and sometimes that is very simple to say and very hard to implement. Um, talk to me a little bit about um, how you get management um, or leadership or talk to me a little bit more about your training and that communication skill, because it's so simple, but yet it's so hard for so many people to realize that if we don't communicate, uh, we're rowing in about 20 million di- different directions. Yeah, and very practically and tangibly, what that means is communication skills are directly related to increasing value or decreasing value. And so from a leadership standpoint, when we, when we work with leadership to try and scope out you know, their culture and what their outcomes are, we really begin that process via the value proposition that leadership is already applied to communication skills. So really the hard work of trying to convince somebody that you should invest in their employee base is already done by the time they get to us. So you have a lot of homework or like a prep before you guys even get there. Yeah. So my background in my business background comes from a small business. We had about 120 employees and we did maybe $15 million at our high water mark a year. And what became clear is that when the employees and the skilled practitioners of the tasks that they were assigned have to work together, there was always sort of a decreasing result, right? So they were good at their hard skills, but they were very challenged to try and communicate back and forth to come up with a better idea, right? They each had good individual ideas, but marrying the two to get a third idea that was neither of theirs, you know, that was within their capacities, within the hard skills they each have, but yet it's the soft skills that really produce and deliver value for organizations. And when a leader realizes that that's the skill that they need to invest in, somehow the universe 
puts them in our path if it was meant to be, whether it's as a trade show or whether it's, it can actually be a cold call that we make, right? Mm-hmm. What do we do in the moment? Well, we practice. We literally, we lay out what the skill looks like from a, a mechanical standpoint. So that can be through play, through creation, through role play, um, through observation. So, and that is very unique to the, you know every individual customer because again, it's within their, their culture, their what, what kinds of things are they being asked to communicate? Whom are they being asked to communicate with? Um, so that, you know, again, it's, it, I'm sorry if that seems vague and broad, but it kind of is until we get our parameters. Right. And, and customize it to the, the specific person. But, you know, why, why is it so difficult for people to compromise and communicate in the corporate environment, do you think? Yeah, there's so much at stake. Yeah, there's, I, I <laughs> think, know it feels. I think if you look at economics, it goes back to how people are incentivized, right? So if you incentivize an individual for individual performance, you're going to get individual effort. If you incentivize a group for the outcome, then you're going to get good group cohesion and communication because they're all vested in the same accomplishment. On a larger scale, you just have a lot of groups or a lot of individuals and not very often do in blind. Mm, that's, that, that's really, really true. Now, you guys have this thing called The Box on your website. And, and I guess you do this, um, I guess, a toolbox that you pull out. But c- explain, what, what is The Box? Oh, I love it. Yeah. It's so The Box is, is really a customizable framework that our clients ultimately can use because sometimes when we start talking to them, it's as, as vague and big as it might sound. This gives them a framework that they can use to prioritize and practice a variety of um, essential skills. So we distilled down several skills and we, we put it in a way, in a box, essentially, so that it's scalable. And what I mean by that is that MT can engage at like, different organizational levels, from direct service providers all the way to executives. And let me even define that a little more. So, for instance, Sometimes folks will want us to come in and quote unquote do DNI, diversity and inclusion. Basically, facilitate a diversity and inclusion workshop for a group of employees. Got it. That's pretty, you know, that's that's entry level stuff. But other times, they want us to coach their internal drivers, uh, the HR, education, training, talent development folks, so that those folks can quote unquote do DNI better consistently with bigger groups or diverse groups or geographically different groups over time. So it's, it's scalable and it's customizable. And what we were finding is that we're not a uh, prefab workshop facilitated facilitator. What we are is really custom shop. We're we have not something that we can sell to A, B, or C because A, B, and C are not the same organizations. They have different cultures. They have different employee dynamics. They have different missions. They have different profit incentives. So the whole array of what makes an organization unique is served by an approach to an internal challenge. So because we're small enough and because we have the capacity, we needed a framework to be able to offer some prompts for leadership to be able to say, you know, 
I think ethics is a priority for us, or I want to look at advocacy, or I want to talk more about storytelling, or on and on and on. Those prompts, when we're doing our work with an organization and with leadership, allow us to ask more specific questions that really allow us to understand what their ultimate outcomes are. And so if we understand that, then we employ adult learning theory and experiential dynamics that then cater to their employees specifically, culturally, while specifically addressing and working towards the outcomes that leadership wants. Well, that's kind of cool. And let me ask you this. Can you, can you walk us through like some of what you've done for a specific client and what they've asked for, what their objectives are, and, and how you implemented the, the type of training, just as an, an example for the listeners? Yeah. So there was oh, a, n- a number of years ago, four or five years, I guess, it was one of our original uh, interactions out of the box because we had been working around just individually doing cultural competency or doing motivational interviewing or doing. So we were approached and the scenario went like this. There was a, there was an engineering company who had um, 60 or so engineers. It was the heart of their business. They designed things and it was in a aerospace application. The leadership uh, was actually working on another project with another organization. They're, they're, it's another vendor. They, they are uh, video producers, so they do those types of uh, products. And we were talking, and they said, hey, we have this leadership. He's got 60 engineers, and he's really worried about the fact that the older engineers don't talk to the younger engineers. And from his position, he sees an intergenerational disconnect so that the elders, the engineers who were uh, there over 20 or 30 years, were not communicating with the new graduates and the entry-level engineers. Variety of reasons. You know, the older engineers were getting ready to retire. They were scaling down their work. They were, you know, they were taking advantage of the benefits that they had accrued for 20 or 30 or 40 years of work. There was also a language barrier. There were um, cultural barriers between the two populations. So we were listening to him, and it it really boiled down to what he thought was, hey, I just got to get them to communicate better. So that's why we were talking with them. What we ended up doing is, understanding his unique situation. He needed to tie in his elders with his younger. So that blue sky, all that investment of understanding and years of expertise just didn't walk out the door and retire, right? Without sharing and imparting it relationally on an authentic relationship level with the aspiring engineers who are going to be guiding his company into the future. So what we ended up designing was something that we now call living late. And it was a coaching relational dynamic that we prompted as meaningful training. What was the title of that training again? 
But at the time, it had no title, but we formalized it into something called Living Legacy. Oh, cool. So it allowed the older engineers, the first challenge was, how do you get buy-in from the guys who are, you know, ready to depart, right? They have a couple years. There was some thought that they weren't really going to want to embark on a new relational dynamic with these new engineers. I mean, they, they like to solve a problem, but, you know, sharing their historical experiences within the company, you know, exploring. Hey, we had a customer 20 years ago with, you know, this kind of engineering challenge and, you know, this is how we solved it. And, you know, bringing up these things that were generationally disconnected and creating a format, you know, it's not full time by any means, but that offered the elders within the organization to sort of feel value to their decades-long experience and contribution to the company and doing so in a way that offered uh, a vision for the younger engineers to see where they were connected to within a couple different uh, levels. Engineering as a craft, a hard skill, right? It's not often that as a new engineer, I get daily intimate conversations with 15 or 20 elder statesmen of my craft. So it was uh, socially reinforcing for the elders and the youngers. We prompted them with uh, oh, a number of interactions, you know, uh, where they could sit down, where they could have coffee, where they would work on a project together, where not only would the elders be informing the youngers, but the younger engineers were able to update the older engineers as to what tasks and tools they were undertaking and how they would, you know, address the same problem that they were addressing 20 years ago, but in a different way. So what really came out of it is this connection that they're just engineering problems. You do them in 1980, or you can do them in 2010. And some of the uh, some of the components are different, but the understanding was the commonality that created a cohesiveness within the organization. I was just going to say that the one line that, that, you, that people walked walked away with was this idea of that intergenerational transfer of knowledge. So that's sort of the three word kind of takeaway from that whole experience was that, wow, we, we achieved that, that, that intergenerational transfer of knowledge. Oh, cool. So talk to me a little bit about the organizations that you have worked with in the past to give the listeners some examples of, you, I mean, you're talking about engineers, that's pretty high level. Um, what other types of organizations have you worked with? Social services, um, governments, uh, and businesses. I mean, I, I don't, I mean, it could be from a service business to a center to a service business that has a, a trade component that they'd like their tradespeople to be a little more aware of customer interactions, you know, rather than being so dry and perfunctory in terms of the interaction, offering the tradesperson the knowledge that what they have is a skill and what they have is a talent. And that if they can communicate to that talent, that builds value, not only for their craft, but for their organization as a whole. So it, it, 
I think communicate. We're never surprised if we get an outreach from anybody because communication is universal. It really boils down to us understanding the mission of the organization and really scaling it to their resources and culture. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So you know, I had the opportunity to see both of you um, tell a story when I was in uh, your area as I was coming through upstate New York. Um, you guys are great storytellers, and. And my question is, you know, how do you think storytelling is is key to educating and training individuals? I mean, do you see that as a key element? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so I like to call it the holy grail. I mean, I, I, I guess that's pretty big and thoughtful. But really, when you get down to it, story really is how humans accomplish everything. Um, it is how we play, create, observe, practice, frame, uh, sculpt, test trial, refine. I mean, any, pick, pick any word. And it really is related to the story that is accessible. You know, what is, what do we have at our, what do we have at our disposal? What is it, um, you know, what is it that we live, do and tell ourselves? Cause that story is what defines our existence. And that is accessible to everyone from a leadership team to a frontline service person. It's just a matter of a helping people understand how accessible story is because oftentimes you hear about storytelling and it's this big, big, big skill set. And it's lots of, you know, we have this idea that you have to be really super skilled at telling a story from start to finish. And there are all kinds of parts to story. We understand the mechanics of it, but when you're able to just let somebody know that they own a story, they don't have to be a professional storyteller. They don't have to be a really super skilled storyteller. They just have to articulate what it is that means something to them. Again, I, I refine it right down. What is it that you live and you do and you tell? Because those three things, that's your story. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Yeah, and you have personal agency in that story. If what you're living, doing, and telling isn't how you want to be living, doing, or telling, you have personal agency to change any single factor within your story. Yeah. And in doing so, how many other stories then do you impact? So Exactly. That's the fun part. Exactly. <laughs> now, I mean, you guys also, I mean, you guys use like plays to communicate with people and you, you guys have a one act play. Tell me about this play. Oh yeah. <laughs> <Whee>! <laughs> <laughs> Now that's a story. So we're, we do a lot of reminiscing because it's kind of fun. I guess over the course of 30 years, you're always kind of looking back and looking forward. And so we were literally as a couple thinking about, you know, where we've been and where we were and where we were headed next. And, you know, it got really sad. It got really real, actually, because we realized we didn't have a lot of mentors or role models. And that was because no one, literally no one in our little personal sphere anyway, really wanted to engage in the tough conversations, the ones about life and death. Um, oh, you know, the stuff that we don't talk about in polite company, things like sex, um, anger, pain, you know, all that, the real stuff. So we basically figured if that's the case, let's just create a place where we could have those conversations. Um, and that's what our play is. It's a place where we have those conversations. And the cool part is we invite our audiences then to join us. So the play itself, it's one act. It's pretty quick. It goes 50 minutes door to door. And then the, the more, almost more exciting part for us, because it's different every time, is we facilitate a community conversation 
based on topics from the play, not that we present necessarily, but that the audience members connect with and want to explore themselves. And um, it's, it's one of the best things that we do. We love it. It's, it's how we give back. We offer it free to communities and organizations. And um, we've done it at churches and hospitals, um, anywhere people want to engage in, in those kinds of meaningful conversations. Um, so they're not left without mentors or role models or places to have those conversations. Right, 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 right. That's that's amazing. And I, I love you guys' approach um, with, you know, making it specific about the objectives and the mission of the, the individual company. I mean, how do people find you? How do people work with you? I don't know. Uh, listen to your podcast probably <laughs> be the, the easiest way to go. <laughs> no, we- yeah, I would uh, check. Plus yeah. on that. <laughs> no, we, we, we have a website, um, MeaningfulTrainings.com, and that's out there. We have phone numbers, and I'm sure that'll be made available up above in our bios. But, sure. And next week, we're actually taking it on the road, and we're heading up to uh, the CTAC conference in Minneapolis. And so... And it, Yay. Uh, yeah, I know the CTAC people really I, well. When I looked up, I was preparing... A couple of weeks ago, I told you I looked in and I saw you with your podcast set up and your you were you were on their <laughs> banner. So I was like, Woo. so we're heading up there. And, oh, you know yeah. what we do when we when we go to places, we actually lead into communities. We'll call up if we know friends or if we know hospices or we know community theaters. We will actually just say, "Hey, we've got this." We'd like to do it for free and see what happens. And as a result of that, we're going to be doing it Wednesday night next week in Minneapolis at the All Square Gourmet Grilled Cheesecake Arts. No, cheese. Just grilled cheese. Grilled cheese. You must be wanting sweet. Oh, gotcha. gotcha. (laughs) (laughs) Now, do you guys have some of these events on your website as well? We do. We do. We've got a... Okay, cool. We booked a couple in Denver coming up and... If anybody out there is listening in Seattle, Portland, or Boston, those are next. Yeah, we'll be traveling to those cities over the next six oh. months. So uh, again, we can we can definitely oh, have sweet. a conversation. Yeah, absolutely. So listeners, this is the deal. I mean, we all are very much aware that communication is key to any successful business. Um, you know, it, it takes these days a little bit of Wi-Fi, but there's something about personal connection that bringing folks in that you can't replace um, over the internet or te- with technology. And so th- this is why I'm so attracted to these guys and the meaningful training process is that you do have stories and you do have connections with these individuals that can enhance the, the environment. And I think um, when me as a past leader, we so overlook that cultural environment that's happening on a daily basis within our business. And I would totally advise you to reach out to the meaningful training uh, group and 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 ask for you know what a proposal from them and see what it would take for them to come and work for your business what and especially right now is in hospices um, they they they're going through so much transition I think you guys can benefit with some of these skills that that they're training give before I let you go tell me your website one more time sure it's www.meaningfultraining.com. plural dot com. I got that well, right. Well, guys, I'm looking at yeah. There you go. And okay, um, good, good. You, it'll be in your bios, but I just can't tell you uh, how much I appreciate uh, you guys taking out some of 
your time on the road as you're traveling to some organizations and, and doing your thing. Um, but really, I think it's vital to to really incorporate storytelling and to continue education, especially around communication. It's key. And, and thanks for just being a part of the Live Well, Die Well tour. Oh, thank, thank you. you man. Thank you, Kimberly, for all you did. Yeah. Well, ditto. It takes all of us moving in the same direction a little bit of time. And, and I tell you, I can't wait to uh, really move forward with uh, running into you and seeing you guys face to face again. And again, if there's anything that I can do for you guys, you, you know where I'm at. Indeed. And the, the same. The same. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like, you know, I'm gaining such new family members and friends on this uh, tour, and, and you guys are definitely a part of that. So thank you guys for what that means to me, but also for what you're contributing to out there in the business world as well. And um, I highly recommend uh, look them up, uh, get them to come in and help you with uh, some personalized training based on your objectives and mission. So guys, I hope you're doing well and uh, good luck at SeaTac and uh, thanks for joining us today. You're welcome. Thanks. Have a great Everybody. rest of the day. Bye. Thanks for joining us today. And remember, you're the designer. This podcast is produced by Jason Andre with Seven Season Films. If you're interested in telling your story via podcast, look him up. You can find him at sevenseasonfilms.com.